What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. Flight or fight or both, at least in the airplane seat recline video that went viral. I'm not advocating sure. violence, but someone needed to... to Right, tell that guy. Stop. Love was not in the air for those American Airlines passengers, but it is for Delta. Valentine's Day is the best day to fly Delta because everybody's in a great mood. A big green announcement from CEO Ed Bastian. Delta Airlines will become the first airline to go fully carbon neutral. Businessman and philanthropist John Hope Bryant on the Fed, the future of capitalism, and serving the underbanked. The color's not red or, or, or blue, as in political parties. It's green. And venture capitalist Alan Patrikoff is betting on Joe Biden, even though his friend Mayor Bloomberg is running quite the campaign. It's a great strategy for Mike. I mean, he is a, a, a street fighter. Those stories and so many more, including some compliments in the spirit of the holiday. I look rugged today. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Friday, February 14th. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Happy Valentine's Day. First up on today's podcast, a love triangle gone wrong. Amazon, Microsoft, the Pentagon, and one $10 billion contract. A federal judge has ordered a temporary block on the government's Jedi uh, cloud contract. It's funny that, it's just funny that the, the initials... Jedi. Jedi Knight. Jedi, because it just sounds like we named it. These aren't the droids you're looking for? Yeah, it it was uh, awarded uh, to Microsoft, a competing bidder. Amazon filed a lawsuit claiming that the evaluation process included clear deficiencies, errors, and unmistakable bias. Um, You can read that as President Trump um, and Jeff Bezos. Uh, The court granted the injunction that Amazon requested, but told the company to earmark $42 million for any costs and damages that could be uh, incurred if the court later rules that the block was issued wrongfully earlier this week. Amazon said it's seeking to depose President Trump, uh, as well as uh, current and former secretaries of defense. A Microsoft spokesman said the company's disappointed with the additional delay, but believes that ultimately they'll get the job and will move forward with the work. So, I mean, this is a big decision, though. It is, because... Yeah. It is. I mean, it, and it really is. This is Trump versus Bezos, Bezos versus Trump. And the question well, is... If, if, the, if that's true, then it should be blocked. I don't, I, I don't think you can just say that. No, but I'm saying... You mean you can view it that way? No, he's saying the lawsuit. Necessarily. The whole lawsuit. The whole lawsuit, right, right, the whole lawsuit right. is Bezos right. versus Trump. I thought you were saying that it's, it's, that it's a given that Trump said give it to Microsoft, not... No, I think the, no. the lawsuit the, itself that's, is going But to the be. entire lawsuit right. is... The, the pretense is that Trump oh, I know. gave this over like 
And there have been other. You know, Oracle wanted it too, and Oracle sued Block, and you know, it's got nothing to do with Oracle. So there are other companies that definitely want a piece of this business. Right, but the question is whether the, the issue on Amazon was they were supposed to get it, meaning yeah, because all they got all their employees working at the DoD now. You know, trying to trying to you know, there could be a case made that they have gained the system to their advantage. And don't look now, but you know. Jeff Bezos might control every aspect of your life someday. So I, I, I don't have a problem with him not doing everything for me. Packages, do, you know, do you books, have a problem web the, services. Do you have a problem with the president dictated? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can connect all those. I mean, right. he doesn't leave a lot of fingerprints. Okay, you couldn't so even get him on the Ukraine thing. you one I mean, other question, guys. If Amazon loses, has to pay the $42 million, mm-hmm. was it worth it? That's yeah, a, probably. I mean, if you were if you were a shareholder of Amazon in this whole thing, would you say that was that's a, it was a fair cost? You're down, in, no, you're, I mean, you're down in numbers that don't matter on a market right. cap of. Look, uh, what, what, this is the equivalent of finding on the football field. Should you call the challenge, right? Right. Should you use right. the yes. challenge and, and, on something and like you, this? And, and I, it's about the same losing a timeout. It's about what forty-two exactly. million dollars right. is. <clears throat> but I, but I would say yeah, it's worth right. the challenge. It's worth the challenge. We'll see what happens right. with it. I don't know the win, but. I, I was surprised that the, the judge... Look at Becky. Look straight up. I like his hair like that. It's tussled. Did you notice on the side? It's, it's not the way it normally is. So you look... I don't it's know. It's not rug- quite as perfect. It's not perfect. Good. And oh. you look more rugged. I look rugged today? More rugged to me on the side. Oh, where because it's, it's, a, it's because tussled. Hair, it's my hair's tussled. a little out of place. No, no, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it was. It was before. Now you're back to Andrew. You've told me you like my hair like that, too. We, yeah. they, they were a little less perfect. A viral video, I want to know what everybody thinks of this, is stirring up a heated debate on social media. Video depicts a tall man seated in the last row of an airplane and the woman in front of him who decided to recline her seat. So in response, the man begins methodically, I don't know if methodically is the word I'd use, but yeah, punching doing it repetitively, the back kind of, of her boom, boom, boom. seat. Uh, people are divided, with some arguing the plane leg room has decreased over the last few years, so reclining is inconsiderate, and others saying if she bought the seat, she has the right to recline. I am in the camp that he shouldn't be punching the back of the seat. No, that's basically that's the problem. I don't even think there's much of a look. I get it. I get it when you're in that last seat and you can't lean back. That's a terrible seat. I kind of blame the airlines for setting it up that way. You got something's got to be seriously wrong with you. If you sit there and there's some lady in front of you and you yeah. keep hitting her seat like that, right. there's something seriously wrong with that guy. Seriously. Right. Some, I, mean, I think this is terrible. You know, I don't want to, I'm not advocating sure. violence, but someone needed to, to right. tell that guy Stop. what to do. If you're, if you're older and if he doesn't do it, then, you know, you need to enforce. Right. What okay. You're. Having said that, let's just let's take the punching out of it for a second, though, because mm-hmm. this is what I think people are debating. What do you think it should she have? Put her seat back in, or could could if he well, said to her? Why do they have the button on it? He he could have said to her, "Can you sit up a little bit? Because yes. I don't have a right to mine." In which is, case, she should have lifted and then up if a little she bit. Doesn't then what? Then uh, take then it up somewhere else. But again, this but, is like the airlines for cramming you into the right. seats where they have been shrinking inches and inches every year off right. of this to try and cram more people in, and then people say, "Oh, they want cheap the way, tickets." The, the way I remember it, you're sitting there, and when the person moves back, it doesn't do any, it doesn't come closer to my legs. It may be a little bit closer to look, where I am, but... It, he, had his, he had his tray table down, and it yeah. looked like it was right up against yeah, the, him. What happens is the tray going, table comes, it comes, comes, comes back you. as you... See, look, it's like right up against him, which who, I guess... There's road warriors out there who do a lot of work, either on a laptop or an iPad. It makes it a lot harder but to But what get he's doing done. is unacceptable. No, it's I agree completely with unacceptable. Okay, so now, what would you do to him? 
Should have he gotten carried off the plane? I don't know. Okay. Can we resolve things a little more civilly? Can we just well, say, hey, I'm sorry? Kind of like up a little? between we- Mayor Mike and President Trump, resolve <laughs> things more civilly and don't, don't yeah. get in the muck with each other. I don't know if that's going to happen in today's society. Now, I don't know what I would have done with that. You, you don't want to. You can get arrested for anything, can't you? The slightest, you if you touch someone, you can get Absolutely. arrested. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, it would have been, I wouldn't have just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to think about it. It gets, gets me sort of... Uh, nervous? Yeah, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I'm getting anxious. Getting anxious. I don't want to get anxious on a Friday, on okay. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Wait till tonight when okay. I, you know, then I'll get a little bit anxious. Let us know uh, what Did you I think? do everything right? Did I, you Tweet know... Tweet at us. Oh. Uh, have all the flowers. what you would do. And, uh, and if then, you were sitting in that back seat, <laughs> and if you were sitting in the seat that she was sitting in, would have you reclined back? By the way, sometimes you, you say something to the person in front of you, you say, hey, or, and then they don't. I like right. that you pretend that, that you know what goes on in coach and have the slightest idea. I know. I do. I do. I like that I you. I in coach on Monday. I, I, I do like that you pretend. I know all about yeah, it. Yeah, sure you do. Now, mm-hmm. kids there in you first are. class, yeah. that's a debate worth having. Right. <laughs> It is Valentine's Day, and love is... And, 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 oh, and the other thing. Yes. That Not is, that is Andrew's red tie. That is so, good. And you thought about it. You tried to do it. That's as good as you could do. It's, it's a, more like... You don't like bright colors. No, it, I don't have a lot of bright colors, but I wore a red tie last Friday. Oh, my God. Well, you can't do it till next year, then. No, because... It was. It was heart healthy day. Heart healthy day. I, I did too. I, I, I brought one. Red, red, I had one out in bright red tie, and it's really my only genuine bright red tie that I own. Well, that is. I don't know what the hell that is. That's like. It's like a, know, a wine color. brown. It's like a wine yeah. color. Okay. Um, it's like my, what my dogs leave for me. Actually, you know, it's a company that I've started to like. Suit, suit Supply. Huh? Do you know Suit Supply? No. Nope. Sounds cheap. Not, it doesn't sound cheap. like you. You're gonna like how you look. It's not like, it's not like men's warehouse. It's not like. Doesn't it sound warehouse. like that? You know, you know what it is? Yeah, yeah. You love the way you look. Yeah. No, yeah. suit supply is sort of. What do you guys think? Suit supply is sort of like a in betweener. Oh, Grasso J. would know. Crew, but it's ne- but it's also not. Grasso right. would never. You guys realize this is not a commercial okay. break. Let's okay. go. Wait a sec. Move it or lose it. Coming up on the podcast, entrepreneur and advocate for the underbanked, John Hope Bryant is on set with Joe, Becky, and Andrew. How are you doing? You good? Val- you're here for Valentine's Day? You're, you're, you're actually concerned about my heart and my feelings today, Joe. Plus, love really is in the air, at least if you work for Delta. It's the equivalent of about two full months of pay for each of the 90,000 frontline employees of Delta Airlines. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. Happy Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. And uh, I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan in studio this morning bringing us some love is John Hope Bryant, businessman, philanthropist, chairman and CEO of Operation Hope, also bringing us hope beyond the love. Uh, Steve Weissman is also with us uh, wearing some purple, just a little bit of love. We were talking about uh, we, we color, both tie colors we're, we're, for, we're, for love. We're, we're twins. Mr. Kernan. Here's what's making uh, love, hope, and we just need charity uh, today, I guess. 
How you doing? You good? It's Val- You're here for Valentine's Day? You're, you're, you're actually concerned about my heart and my feelings today, Joe? Uh... <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> he actually had to think about it for a you, minute. <laughs> you, uh, you're fine, no matter what. I, I try my best. I try my I, best I, I to bring you, you into the... I love you, know, you anyway. Questions are emerging over President Trump's Fed nominee, Judy Shelton, after a contentious confirmation hearing yesterday. Steve Leisman <laughs> joins us with more. And Steve, you told us there'd be fireworks. It was a good call, actually. I wish all my calls were that good. Love was not in the air at yesterday's <laughs> Senate confirmation hearing of Judy Shelton to the Federal Reserve. And the Trump administration late yesterday uh, insisted that it is not pulling the nomination of Shelton after that contentious hearing in which both Democrats and Republicans expressed concerns about the nominee and the potential politicization of the Federal Reserve. Here's some of the comments afterwards. Uh, Shelby came out and told reporters he was concerned. Toomey said, I remain concerned. <clears throat> and then, you know, John Kennedy, what, you know, a great orator that he is. Nobody wants anybody on the Fed that has a fatal attraction to nutty ideas, said John Kennedy. Uh, he said, I mean that about, about Shelton necessarily, but that was his comment. The concerns centered around Shelton's prior comments and writings about whether the Fed should be independent, if the Fed should act to weaken the dollar, and especially her advocacy of the gold standard. A committee vote has not been scheduled, but the decision is fraught with as much politics as economics. Question being whether Republican senators will defy the president on the nomination. I think it takes just one and the nomination one? would go down. Yeah, uh, because the uh, the banking committee is, is, I think, a Republican majority of just one. So I think if they split, it doesn't come out of the committee. Steve, can it be that this is not about a love of red or blue, but, <clears throat> red, but a love of green? That no one sets their own wallet on fire? That they, you don't want it, to, you know? It is interesting, <clears throat> John, that... The one place where Republicans seem to have drawn a line on some of the president's nominees is the Federal Reserve. Let's be clear. He's got a bunch of successful ones in. Like, I think there's four. Uh, the chairman he appointed, uh, he nominated. Clarida, the vice chairman. Quarles, the vice chairman for supervision. And Bowman, <coughs> Michelle Bowman, who is in charge of bank, uh, community banking. But then there's been a fairly long list of those who haven't made it in a variety of ways. Mostly they never got to hearings. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it hasn't been the Senate they, they ha- voting them down. But they were sort of in one Scuttled. stage or another of name to the... And that's a pretty long list. And I don't know that Shelton's going to be on that wall there of the unsuccessful nominees, but there certainly was a question about it after yesterday's hearing. And, and John, what do, you, what do you think about central bank independence at this point? I mean, it's been so talked about. It's been so focused on. The president has made very clear what he would like to see happen with rates, <clears throat> using his, his Twitter account to tell the world. I, I think that it's critically important that it stays independent. Um, there has to be some place where the facts matter more than politics or persons or people or even the moment. And I think this is one of those places and one of those spaces. And, and like I said, the color's not red or or, or blue, as in political parties, is green. And I, I keep saying people vote their, uh, vote their pocketbooks. This is the best way to keep that uh, party going, is to keep politics out of it. Uh, and uh, I think some of these nominees <coughs> were never intended to win. Kane was uh, entertainment. Uh, that really wasn't serious. Maybe that was an attempt to signal. Um, uh, there are others, uh, like the vice chairman, who I think are very, I know him very well, very serious people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is the right call. Nikki, I think what's interesting is, is, is there's been a change in the process here within the White House. And I know this because I, I was able to report early on those, that, that four successful one came out of this group inside the White House that was doing things the way 
things used to be done before Which by other what? administrations. Vetting. You and- find somebody, you vet them first, their name doesn't come out publicly, that kind of thing. I mean, I guess Powell was always out there. but And then you also consult with the Fed. It feels like the four that haven't made it were sort of off the top of the head of the president. I think he read or saw something about Moore and decided, oh, I want that guy oh, on. Yeah. And then Kane. And then same. it hasn't been the same deliberative process that was going on inside the White House. It's, it's changed somewhat. He's, he's more out there. The president is more out there in terms of the picks that he's throwing to the Senate. Hey, John, let's talk about the work you've been doing in the community yep. in terms of trying to make sure that you are getting financial literacy and financial access to communities that haven't had it in the past. Operation Hope is now, what, 150 inside locations and banks? 150 locations, 30 states where we're physical, 40 states where we have a presence, uh, plus Puerto Rico and uh, the District of Columbia. Uh, four million clients. We directed $3.5 billion of capitalist money in underserved neighborhoods that are paying, people are paying their bills. And uh, we've rehabilitated a bunch of people who now consider themselves part of the free enterprise system, homeowners, entrepreneurs. The guy who made the suit I'm wearing can't make <laughs> that's, this up. That's, a, that's the, the second. The, you've done the, that when you come on. You have that. Nice. You, he likes the suit. Well, that's that's not when I come on. It's my suits. Joe. John, this <laughs> came up. <laughs> that, suits, that suits from that. You've mentioned yeah. him before. Yeah, dro- John, uh, uh, Ryan, yeah. drove clothing. It came up in yeah. the hearing yesterday, the idea of people having to drive 30, 40 miles to the nearest bank. Yeah. What, what is that like, and how does it change your ability to participate in capitalism if you can't get to a bank. Time is money. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I'd rather, if I had a choice between more time and more money, I say, give me more time, I'll make more money. Uh, but when you're in these neighborhoods, you're constantly uh, degraded. Your dignity is constantly robbed because nothing is efficient. Uh, nothing's available. Has technology uh, not helped to change that <clears throat> to some degree? Uh, Meaning um, what, what you can do on a phone, but... Uh, you know, I, I the community you're that. talking goes, about have the access to way. the phone? Does it have access? Right. Well, this is it, the question. They're closing down the community banks. We went down to the Delta, yeah, Mississippi, and, and, and they're closing down the banks because more banks are going virtual. Yeah, but you, you need, with communities that have trust issues, you need high touch before you can have high tech. Mm-hmm. And we're going back to the Fed for a minute. <laughs> The Fed is the one place where I have not actually been able to. I've actually had to have a little decorum. I was told actually don't ch- don't hug the Fed chairman when I took him. <laughs> I, took, I took Greenspan in the inner city to teach financial yeah. literacy. I took him actually Bernanke, you know, Greenspan, and uh, I hugged him anyway. But uh, so it's know. like when you approach the Queen, like make sure you don't right. turn your back, step backwards, don't hug. But the point was, hey, what they're what they're really saying was, John, this is not this is he's not a politician. Hopefully, one day she. He's not, a, you know, again, he's not a politician. This is not, a, this is, you know, let's have some, again, decorum. Let's have some respect for the independence of the office. I didn't hug him on, on camera, but I, I, but th- John, I, get, I, th- get I thought he needed point, a hug. John, John, get to this point, because we ran across this idea, too, that <clears throat> the computers tend to make algorithms and, and are very good at finding out the credit risk. But some of the loans that you make are because you essentially, you go, th- you find ways to make the loans that are different from what the algorithms and the credit... Which is going back to the way America say. was built. Character. It's called character lending. You know, actually character... Piece actually by piece, account. person by person, yeah, rather and, than and by the algorithm. Copies of utility bills. Copies of phone bills. Right. What's your, what's your, you know, if you're paying an insurance payment, that's a form of credit. It doesn't show up in your credit report. We work... Right. We have, 95% of people have an error on their credit report. But who's helping them to understand that, to write a letter to uh, dispute that? If we dispute that, the, the law states, the credit bureaus, either have to prove it or pull it off your credit report. It's a 40-point pop on your credit score. It defies well, right. goes up. What do you make the of, confidence goes up? Let me ask you a quick tech question. Yeah. There are people like Max Levchin uh, at a firm Max who's, a, who's trying to rewrite what the FICO score even is, how it's defined. You have, by the way, the folks in China, you look at what Ant uh, Financial is doing, the way they're scoring people. 
they're not just going, I mean, you might have some real problems with them. They'll, if, if you get up off the subway and give somebody your seat and their camera's watching, literally all of these things are going into the metrics, into whether you're a good person, bad person, going to pay, not going to pay. Is this, you know, technology, is technology going to ultimately help us or hurt us? Uh, the, the answer, as usual, is it depends. Technology alone actually will, will hurt us. I'll give you an right. example. So Max is a great guy, a firm. Right. Uh, I'll talk to him tomorrow. And, but but if, if not, they're not careful, the company could actually help to un, uh, accidentally bankrupt a lot of people because you can literally microfinance uh, anything, uh, a plane ticket, right. uh, a, a, a car rental. Uh, and if it's five bucks a, a, a month, you say, oh, I can afford that because you think about what's the payment, not what's the interest rate or what's my debt. And you may not roll all this up to realize you're actually technically bankrupt. So I think if Max can embed financial literacy and financial coaching in his model, mm -hmm. now you can do high tech and high touch, doing well and doing good. I mean, my goal is to be 10 percent of all banking with financial coaching, 10 percent of all corporates with financial coaching. I think that, that will John, lift quick, everybody. John, rate? What's your default rate? I know we got to go. 3%. 3%. Yeah. That's amazing. Where are you on Radar with screen. my daughter on, on first-generation investors? Why, why didn't you jump on that? I think They're, your daughter's much smarter than you. They have, they, <laughs> they have, cha they have chapters at all, all the, and, and they give $500 to these kids to learn how yeah, to invest the money. Yeah. yeah, well, why didn't you jump on it? I mean, because it's not yours. You've got your own thing. Good, what, good. I set you up. Just with, because you're Caucasian and rich doesn't mean you get to go to the front of the line. It just takes time, Joe. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's not what that is at all. <laughs> you saw all the kids. No, no, that we're are... talking to her. No, we're gonna, we, we, hope, we hope to Joe. partner with her. Make, make an appointment. Make an appointment. Get to the back Maybe of the John line. Meet with you. Take a number. Take, Take a, a number. number. It is Valentine's Day. Love is in the air, which is an extra special day for Delta employees. For six straight years, the company distributes more than a billion dollars uh, from its profits to employees. And joining us right now on a first on CNBC interview is Delta's CEO, Ed Bastian. And uh, before we get to your big day, we do want to uh, ask you about uh, the impact of the coronavirus and what's going on uh, in the business and everything else. But I, I just want to understand, I, I want to go straight to the employee piece so I just understand that. Um, how much money do employees get on this Valentine's Day? Well, we are paying today $1.6 billion in profit sharing to our people. Yes. It's the equivalent <laughs> of about two full months of pay for each of, each, uh, each of the 90,000 frontline employees of Delta Airlines. I always tell our customers that Valentine's Day is the best day to fly Delta because everybody's in a great mood, and we look forward to celebrating our employees and sharing those rewards with them today. Uh, you also have a big announcement, uh, another big announcement that you're making this morning. $1.6 billion, as I just mentioned. It's not only a large amount, it's an historic amount. We've never found a company anywhere in our, forget our industry, in our world that uh, has paid a profit sharing of that size. But we also know that we've got more responsibility than just to share our success with our people. And we are announcing that starting March 1st, Delta Airlines will become the first airline to go fully carbon neutral on a global basis. Now, it will be focused on, obviously, the reduction of carbon that we are investing in our technologies, clean technologies we're using through our engines, but also carbon removal and the investment we'll be making in new technologies going forward to remove the carbon that we can't reduce from our operations. And a lot of people are going to do a double take. An airline becoming carbon neutral is um, a bit of a reversal of how we think about things, given that um, airlines, at least as far as I know it, are going to be uh, based on fossil, using fossil fuels uh, for as long as we can possibly imagine. Uh, how much is this going to cost on an annual basis? Well, you're right, Andrew. It's, it's a big challenge, and it's a big commitment. And you're right. We will continue to use jet fuel for as far as, as the eye can see. We'll be investing in 
technologies to reduce the impact of jet fuel, but we'll never, I don't ever see a future that we're eliminating jet fuel from our, from our footprint. But what it's going to cost for us, we estimate about a billion dollars over this decade, close to $100 million a year. And there's, there's no greater challenge that I know of that we need to be investing and innovating in is environmental sustainability. When you think about carbon offsets, you think about some of the programs that are out there, some of which we all participate in, you know, they are, they are doing a bit to help the planet, but we've got to be investing in the new technologies of tomorrow, whether it be reforestation. Uh, we've got a project going on in Africa with Global Citizen to build the Great Green Wall across the entire continent of Africa. Uh, to invest in sustainable aviation fuels, to put some serious capital behind it. But is this even plausible? I mean, the, the thing that I'm thinking about, you can buy the offsets. I understand how to buy offsets. First of all, the, the great conundrum about offsets is there's not enough offsets to go around effectively. So if every company in the world exactly. decided that they were going to try to become carbon neutral literally by paying others, it, they wouldn't, there's, not, there's not, not enough to, there's no way to do this. The other question is, what do you think happens to your competitors? You know, the great news for Delta is uh, you're doing great, Ed, and, and relatively flush. Uh, other airlines are not necessarily in your situation. Well, you're right. Carbon, carbon offsets are not the solution. Uh, there are not enough to go around. Uh, we need to be investing in projects that make a difference. Carbon offsets uh, have a lot of effic efficacy issues, and qu quite honestly, in some places they do more harm than they actually do good or pay people not to do harm. That's not really helping our planet. Uh, your second question is, you know, we hope this is something that everyone can join in. You know, you'll continue to see, I think, as you go forward, more companies putting forth more investment dollars to find a cleaner future. Uh, I hope our competitors join us in the battle. This is not a race to be number one in this space. This is a race for our planet. Help yeah. us with this. Everybody's trying to make sense of uh, the coronavirus and its impact. Take us inside the room with you in terms of modeling it. How do you, how, how does Delta model out the different potential impacts and what you're going to do about it? Because I think that's what everybody's trying to do right now. What's this comparable to? Uh, Andrew, we made a really, I'll make it really simple for you. When we started to consider and think about the harm that our, our employees were potentially getting into and going into to fly to China, it was a really simple decision that we needed to exit the country. And we exited it about two weeks ago. Uh, was not easy in terms of impact. It's, it's about 2% of our revenues. But we, we cannot ask our employees to operate in China if they don't, they don't feel safe with respect but to how, their I, 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 uh, I think the know, larger questions are people trying to model out how long this goes on for. I'm sure you have experts and others inside your firm that are thinking about that, what the impact is even beyond the flights that are going in and out of China in terms of other traffic just around the world. We, we are certainly seeing impact in the Pacific. Uh, not, kind of, not like we are, we're seeing clearly in China, but there's some, some impacts throughout Pacific travel, tra uh, trans-Pacific travel. We're not seeing the impacts in the U.S. or any of the other regions in the world. Those are all staying really healthy. Uh, we're monitoring Europe, certainly across transatlantic, and I saw the announcements in Barcelona about the, uh, the show that was just recently canceled. But fundamentally, uh, the business is doing very, very well. We're expecting to grow our revenues uh, at a decent rate this quarter. Uh, don't forget, fuel prices have also come down in concert with the challenges around the coronavirus. So as a financial matter within the quarter, I'm not sure we're going to see really a big impact. 
Hey, Ed, can I just ask you how confident you feel in terms of making sure that people are safe when these planes are coming back from places in Asia? I was on a plane on Monday that had just come from Taipei to New Zealand to San Francisco and then brought us back across. How do you make sure that you wind up, you don't wind up in a situation like some of these cruise ships have? Oh, we, we have the, the strictest standards with respect to uh, safety and cleanliness. Uh, we, we've that plane uh, was there for an hour. Year and it, it, I mean, there was not enough time for a, that? A, that. That plane sat for an hour in San Francisco. There's no way you can thoroughly clean everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, I can't comment on that because I'm sure that was not a Delta plane. Vicky, it wasn't. It was United. Uh, but we, but we, we absolutely have, the, especially on international uh, trips, we go through a deep cleaning and return every time. You know, it takes a couple hours, two to three hours, to turn an international flight on average. And we spend the time. We've got a, a company that we've uh, announced a partnership with called Vital Vio early this year, which are actually using light sensor technology. And some of it's been previewed in dealing with planes coming back from China where we're using light technology, first thinking about in the labs to keep the labs clean, the, as clean as possible, but also that we can, we can roll through the planes. And transitioning real quickly, tell us about ReclineGate, the American Airlines plight where the person reclined in the seat and had somebody bang in the seat. What, how, would you, how would you handle this situation? Well, we, we haven't uh, reduced our, our pitch and our aircraft in years. Uh, in fact, we're going the other way. We've been adding a lot more pitch and a lot more seats with more space on our aircraft, more premium seats, more room in coach, et cetera. Uh, you know, we ask all of our customers to do the very best to show respect to their feral customers. We want all our customers to have a great time but what, when they're but here Ed, with us what's the, I wanna, and we have, And we generally, we generally, generally do not see that issue. And what's the etiquette, though? I want to know what the etiquette is. If you're a tall guy, Ed, you are a tall guy. You are in coach. I am. And somebody's in front of you, I and am. they want to go all the way back. Is it appropriate to even say to them, hey, I'm really tall or whatever it is, could you, could you do me a favor and don't go back? Do they have every right to go as far back as they want? They paid for the ticket. I, I think customers have the right to recline. Uh, we've been testing uh, reduced recline and, and seeing response on that. We actually have a fair amount of our fleet on a reduced recline as a result of that. But I think the, the proper thing to do is if you're going you're gonna to recline into somebody that you ask if it's okay first and then you uh, do it. When, but oh, you have at to the ask? Same time, I think it's oh, that's interesting. You think you, that's I, 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 never, I never say anything myself, though. It's called manners. You, you don't say anything. Do you, oh, do you think you should, the etiquette is to ask the person behind if you can recline? I, th I think if, there, if someone knows there's a tall person behind them and they, they want to recline their seat, I think the, the polite thing would be to, to make certain it was okay. Interesting. Uh, okay. I, I never recline because I, uh, I don't think it's, it's something that since I'm the CEO of the airline, I should be reclining my seat. And I never say anything if someone reclines into me. Okay. Thank you, Ed. Ed, uh, happy Valentine's Thank Day. Thank you, guys. Next on Squawk Todd, Joe Biden has been fundraising in New York City. One of his donors, venture capitalist Alan Patrikoff, weighs in on Biden and on his competitors. Watching the Bloomberg ads, if you see his ads the last couple of days, it's all Obama and Mike. Uh, and Joe has not done that, which is and it, it's ironic. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. If you want to get a glimpse into the political minds of America's CEO, take a look at their political donations. Robert Frank is, what does he do? He follows the money. Follows the money, the big yes. money. The big money. money this season. The nation's top CEOs gave over $2 million to political campaigns. That's in the fourth quarter. Most of that to Republicans. A CNBC analysis of political spending by the CEOs of the S&P 500 shows that 12 of the top 15 spenders gave to Republicans. But the two biggest donors were both to Democrats. Reed Hastings at the top of the list. He's the CEO of Netflix, of course. He was the biggest donor in the fourth quarter, writing a $500,000 check to the Senate Majority PAC. That is a super PAC aimed at helping Democrats in Senate races. Now, the second biggest spender, Warren Buffett, he gave $245,000 to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. That helps Democrats protect their majority in the House. Now, ranking third, Someone I hadn't heard of before, Jay Adair. He's the CEO of auto salvage company Copart. He gave just under $200,000 to Republican causes with ninety-five dollars to the Republican National Committee. Now, Jeff Sprecher of the Inter- Intercontinental Exchange gave $100,000 to the RNC. Fred Smith of FedEx, Greg Brown of Motorola Solutions, and Lance Ryan of ConocoPhillips, also among the biggest Republican donors. This is just one quarter. Obviously, these aren't huge numbers, but we're going to follow this all the way through November and see where these numbers and political donations go. Okay. Robert, let's continue this conversation. Stay with us. We're also going to bring in our guest, Alan Patrikoff, who is co-founder and managing director of venture capital firm Graycroft, and our guest host, John Hope Bryan. Alan, let's uh, get you to weigh in on this part of the conversation. You've been uh, very vocal about you are supporting Joe Biden to this point. I know you said after Iowa that it was a little bit disappointing, but you were going to wait and see what happened. What do you think after New Hampshire? Well, last night was a big, fun, two big fundraisers for Joe and uh, in New York, and were uh, over the top, frankly. And uh, it's been reported in the paper. I have no specific knowledge, but uh, the report was they raised close to a million dollars. And if you divide that by twenty-eight hundred dollars a piece, which is what they raised for those fundraisers, it's a lot of people. And uh, I can tell you that the rooms. In both cases, there were two, 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 two of them, and they were both packed. And uh, it hasn't with, translated into votes yet. What happens if? Uh, what does he need to do in South Carolina in order for his campaign to keep going? Oh, I think he's got to produce in Nevada, come out pretty close, and uh, in South Carolina, he's really got to show his stuff. If he he's got to win. Yeah, I, it's it's critical. I think he said it. Uh, I think the donors feel it. Uh, everybody's sticking with Joe until. They see what happens there. And then, of course, you've got Super Tuesday. But I think the money is, a, am sure, a difficult issue. And you gotta, you really got to get raise the money. And they, you need momentum to do that. Uh, that's why I say last night was a very good indication that people who've been supporting him have stayed with him, which is Do you think impressive. that people, do you think this is now about personality? Or do you think this is about where the party is? I think that uh, Mike coming into the race is confused a lot of people, because the kind of people who would be supportive to Mike, uh, 
uh, are the same people who would be supportive to Biden, I believe. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the people, certainly the New York people, are all, as I am, a friend to Mike. And uh, Mike just came in a lot later. And I think people are sticking with the candidate that they started with and until it runs its course. And uh, Joe was very strong last night. But in the end, the voters are what counts. And uh, we've got to see how things go in these next couple of states. Would Mike be your second choice, Bloomberg? I think it's fair to say that uh, I've certainly always been a friend of Mike's and, and he's a, a very viable, formidable candidate. Uh, certainly his ads are overwhelming at this point. It's, it's, uh, we're showing the predicted sites and it's very strange. I was looking at it earlier sudden, today. Yeah. No, what's strange is that um, Bloomberg on the who's going to be president in 2020 is number two and he's closer to, to Trump than anyone else right. and everybody else is far below. But who's going to be the nominee? It's still Sanders, well Which ahead of where, well, well ahead of where um, uh, um, Sander, or you know, Sanders, well ahead of where Bloomberg is. So it's weird. For the nomination, it's still Sanders, but for who has a better chance of actually being elected president, it's Bloomberg. Uh, you know, that's the interesting But the weird thing is Joe's in single digits. I'm yeah, but I mean, it, it, take, take that as an example. I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a chance that Bernie's going to be the candidate, but the votes at the moment say he, he is. Yeah, the betting. So at the moment, they say that Joe is behind, and that could change. change also. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think one, one interesting thing is, which is uh, watching the Bloomberg ads, uh, you'll notice that he has uh, sub- assumed the Obama role. If you see his ads the last couple of days, it's all Obama and Mike. Uh, and Joe has not done that, which is, and it, it's ironic because Joe obviously was his vice president and could he run a hundred kids. He's got well, that affiliation. Right. Except that Mike is right. trying to take that yeah. association what do you make away. Of, of Bloomberg's efforts online um, to, to punch back at Trump, uh, you know, there's been a lot of people in the Democratic Party that have said, we don't want to get down in the mud. When I say mud, meaning... Uh, slinging mud, slinging... Uh, Twitter mud. Twitter, we'll, call it, we'll call it Twitter muck. mud. Yeah. The muck, name-calling, all fully that there. stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that Bloomberg has actually done is said, you know what, I'm going to do it too. Fire I'm going to take fire. advantage of it. Every, every time Trump goes after me, I'm going to go right back after him. Right. And I, attention in, in this world, it's almost like any news is good news for you in terms of the attention you can get. Is that a good or bad strategy, given that he is oftentimes trying to differentiate himself uh, from Trump. I think it's a great strategy for Mike. I mean, he is a, a, a street fighter, really. I mean, he's, you know, he's a self-made guy, and he's not going to take any baloney from anybody, and, and particularly Trump. And you, I heard his comment, was it yesterday, yeah. and, which is, uh, you know, you measure someone's size from the neck up, right. uh, which is a good comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the whole you go low we, or you know you go low we go high. That was never that, true. That's though. over. That was yeah. never that true. Ever? People that said that never stayed high. They were always just as. But low. it's but it's not against the, each other on the Democratic Party. It's a, I mean Joe well, has yeah, been consistently is. anti-Trump from this the day he started till today. Well, we're seeing some you sniping you've there got too. Bernie supporters who are booing Pete yeah. Buttigieg when he goes on. Really? Yeah. I mean that's it, it is. I did. Well, that's the supporters. I mean the supporters. Are doing those are the, part, that, every those are the voters. John, let me ask you, when yeah. it comes to this idea of self-funding, Bloomberg is self-funding, and the yeah. idea there, some people say, well, that's money buying politics. Some people say, well, that's just his money, so he's not corrupted by all the, the corporate so, influence. So, yes, what do you, how, how do you read that? And this is an argument that Trump made the first time around as well. If I'm going to self-fund, which he didn't end up needing yeah. to do, 
it's my money, so therefore I'm not under the influence of anyone else. For, for the underserved communities that I serve, is a brilliant strategy. Because with the comments was about the billionaires' money coming out of their wallets. We're concerned, he's, he's actually talking about money going into poor people's wallets. It's the Tulsa speech I talked about, e- e- black economic empowerment. People want to know, how can I become a billionaire? How can, how can I become a millionaire? How can I become wealthy? And I think this neutralizes the, uh, the interest question. Do you believe my ideas or do you not? Joe, on your comment about mm-hmm. Sanders' popularity versus uh, yeah. Bloomberg, you got the emotional side of the brain. That's Sanders. And then the question is, is when is the logic side part of the brain click in, which is the more the uh, uh, the Bloomberg conversation? I don't know. Bern- I- Bernie has different gives different emotional responses to different people. <laughs> Believe me, my emotional response to Bernie it won't, is it not won't, it won't, fond. Yeah, but um, this won't John and Alan, want to thank you guys yeah. both for being here. That's the show for today. Monday is President's Day, a market holiday, but we will be here with an all-new podcast on your feed. The man, the myth, tracking down the man. It's legendary, trying to track him down. He just won't be pinned down by any sort of convention. Becky Quick reflects on interviewing actor Bill Murray. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod, available for free wherever you listen. Have a great weekend. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Bye. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.